Oh, this is going to be a good one. You're listening to Pete the Planner. This week on the Pete the Planner show, we answer your money questions. That's right. You email us a question like some people already did this week. We answer them and everyone wins. You can email us by emailing askpete at petetheplanner.com. I said the you word, you being us. Us is me. And Damian Dunn joins me in the South Studio. Hello, Dame. Hey, Pete. You're actually in, we're in the same room. Is this good or bad? We'll find out. You wore a very loud jacket today, and I don't mean like stylistic, stylistic, stylistically loud. It's just like the fabric is loud, so I made you remove it. Yeah, I never would have thought of uh, the the loudness of my clothing before. Dear Pete, my my son came to me recently and said he is considering asking his girlfriend to marry him. Don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) He's still unsure if he is ready to make the change in his lifestyle, though... He's pretty sure she is, quote-unquote, the one. I told, you know, sometimes people have two. (laughs) I told him the two things couple fights uh, fight about the most are kids and finances. Damn, I don't know about that. No, I... Finances seems right. Yeah, I think finances is correct. Finances and kids. Kids. He says they are on the same page about kids, (laughs) but haven't talked about finances. They both have good jobs. He's 28, she's 23, and loves... Do you know of a resource they could read or a questionnaire they could do together, like a Cosmo questionnaire? Exactly what I was thinking. That they could do together that would promote discussion of their financial lives that could be helpful before they decide to join them. Thanks, and it's from a lady. All right, Dame. What do you think? I love it. I I, I love the idea, you know? Yeah, I... She's right. This is one of the two things that people fight about most in marriage. <laughs> absolutely She's right. Absolutely right. And what we find is that people don't do the groundwork ahead of time to make sure that this becomes less of an issue. Yeah. Okay. So I I, I agree. And I think it begins with acknowledging in, in a very real way that two different sets of people raised you and they have two completely different views, likely on how a financial life is to run. And by the way, the two people who raised you, if two people raised you, also came from two completely different backgrounds. So at some point in time, households have a cohesive message and theory on how to run money. But there's a lot of people raised in households that are disjointed, that there are complete, there's complete chaos when it comes to uh, money. So Dame, let's create a scenario here. There, there is no questionnaire I know of. There's no article, or, but there is this podcast episode where we can facilitate right now the proper pre-marriage money conversation. Dame, it's worth mentioning a little update on this show. Producer Nicole, Frank, you yeah, know. Sure. Producer Nicole is getting married. Oh, okay. I don't know if people know that. Have I mentioned that on the yeah, show? Yeah, you I feel did. Like I mentioned that. You did. So much so that the new update is I'm the officiant of the wedding. No, you're not. You didn't know this? No. Yeah. I'm marrying Nicole and her special friend. I'm getting whatever licensed by the power invested in me by marriagelicense.com or whatever it is, I am marrying her and her special friend. And so I feel obliged to do pre-marriage counseling, which I'm not, I, I may or may not do. But part of that is money, right? Sure. And so I think it just starts with an inventory of the different 
topics within a financial life. Do you have student loans? Yes. Do you have student loans? No. Okay, well, the person who has student loans, how much do you have? What is your goal to pay it off? And then I think, Dame, it, it turns into this thing where, well, is it the other person's responsibility now to uh, help the other person pay off their loans? <laughs> how do you feel about that? Before I get to my answer, I want to tell you about somebody that I know. I actually used to work for him. That okay. he told his fiance that he would not marry her until she paid off all of her student loans. He sounds fun. Yeah. How long did the wedding get waylaid? I don't know, but they did get married, and they have a beautiful family. But no loans. But they had no student loans when they got married. So that's any- a pretty staunch uh, theory and method there. Yeah. It, it was a, a gutsy call, I think. Uh, trying, trying to lay that I don't one have that much it. leverage. No, no. Sarah, um, Sarah, last night we were watching TV, Mrs. Planner, I should say, and she said, I'm so glad we have the same sense of humor. And I'm like, Sarah, do you realize we have to have the same sense of humor because it's my only quality? And if you didn't <laughs> share my sense of humor, you never would have even approached, like, there would have been no relationship. No Because I have no other quality. Yeah. Well, no well, other qualities. Yeah, you were a big, big uh, college athlete, though. That was oh, okay. uh, just. I think a person takes on their spouse's financial situations wholly as long as there was nothing just heinous done, you know? Sure. I I think, uh, I mean, it's their issue, so it becomes your issue whether you, you want it to be or not because even if you're splitting your finances up and you're running separate checking accounts and all that fun stuff inside your marriage, it's still going to affect how your household functions. It's it's income that's either coming out of if it's a single income household, it's it's being taken care of whether you're the one making it or, or not, and if it's a two income household, well, that's just less income that the household has to accomplish other goals on. So, whether you name it and claim it, and it becomes you know yours, I, I don't even know where that came from. Name it and claim it. What is that? I, it's some, I mean, it's, it sounds amazing, but I don't I don't know what it means. I I think I heard it somewhere, probably on a show that. The people uh, listen to i don't know um it is your i mean it's it's maybe not being your name but it, it is your problem to deal with so i think student loans are the natural place to start i i think also understanding your who raised you's view on debt and debt as a tool debt as a theory um i think setting your household standard i think anyone listening right now who is in a committed relationship who has not set household standards should do that right now when the show's over. Right? This idea of like, what, how much is this household always going to have in, in its savings account? Sure. Uh, most households don't have that. So therefore, they don't have anything to work toward. What is our theory on, on debt? We don't carry it. We don't carry it. What is our theory on how much of our gross income goes towards long-term investing? 12%? 12%. Like, those are standards. Mm-hmm. We will uh, go on one vacation a year, and it will be one percent, whatever. You know, yeah. it's like these standards are very important. Yeah, setting those standards, something that you can fall back to um, month after month, year after year. Those are super helpful, and then to go on top of that and set goals that will always be changing. Once you accomplish them, you move on to another goal. So you've got this ground. Of, of standards that you always deal with, but then you have these goals that you're jointly working towards in the future as well. You know, b- making sure that your um, 
behavior financially together and individually is helping accomplish those goals going forward. Those, those are two great ways to make sure that you're on the same page and you're using your, your income effectively. Yeah, I think, I think the good point there is, too, you don't always have to have a joint checking account. No. In fact, if you're already working and you're in the workforce at 20, have separate checking accounts. Just have joint goals. Split the bills, not 50-50, like, I'm going to give you 50% for the electric bill. Like, but just say, all right, I'm going to pay the electric bill, the gas bill, the mortgage. You make the car payment, pay for groceries and savings. Like, that's a very smart and healthy thing to do, but it requires a regular budget meeting too. Yeah, it requires a meeting, but that's a good thing because it, so many times when just one person's in charge of taking care of the, the monthly bills that come in, it's easy for that person to feel like the other person uh, just doesn't really understand what's going on. They have no concept of how much money is being spent in the household on a regular basis. So that meeting or the, the joint responsibilities, it's, it's not a bad idea. May I also suggest reading Your Money Life, Your 20s by author, American author Peter Dunn. I have some uh, bass fishing baits on my studio desk here. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I brought that up. Coming up after the break, we've got an early retirement question for a 14-year-old. Wow, that is early. It literally just came in. Uh, We will answer that and more. This is the Pete the Planner Show starring Damian Dunn and me, Pete the Planner. on the pizza planet show coming out of the break your clothes are you wearing rayon today damien no it's, it's not starched i mean it's just your cl- clothes are really loud <laughs> I've got to sit perfectly still you wore a sport coat that it's your buttons were like made of vibranium was, yeah unobtainium or something i don't know it was crazy uh dear pete I listen to you every week and occasionally go back in the years with you to listen to your advice on long car rides. This this is definitely not for my wife. Wow. (laughs) Not for my wife. Uh, Would like to know more about very early next-gen investing. How early can I contribute to a retirement account for my 10, yes, 10-year-old son? Or what other investment vehicles do uh, you recommend for his age? This is from Braggy. Give himself his own nickname, which I'm, I'm all for. All right, bright guy. Bright guy. Oh, um, let's begin. When did you begin investing? Not till I had my first job. So it would have been. Oh, early, I know early, when that is. When was your first job? Early twenties. Okay. Well, you didn't work in high school. I did, but I. So you're lying. First full time <laughs> job. You didn't work full time in high school. No. Okay. Uh, first full time job is when you first started investing. Was it the retirement plan through your employer? Yep. Yeah, it was a simple IRA. Okay. And that's the name of it. It wasn't just like, you're not, that's not the adjective. It was pretty simple, but it was a simple IRA too, yes. My first investment. Sixth grade, we did a stock market project Mm -hmm. in Guyon Creek Middle School, west side of Indianapolis. The fighting Jaguars. Jaguars. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we did a stock market project and, uh, you know, you pick some stocks and Mm -hmm. follow them. And I thought it was cool. And my buddy's dad was a stockbroker and I was like, man, I want to. I'd really like to buy some stock. So his dad arranged for me to buy one share, which is nearly impossible Mm -hmm. in 1990 to Mm -hmm. buy one share of stock. And by the way, he got me a stock certificate. 
You're kidding. No, I don't know where it is. I wish I knew where it was so badly. Uh, Philip Morris stock. Perfect stock. I was buying tobacco stocks as a sixth grader. And then starting in high school, that same dad uh, then in, in, introduced me to a financial advisor I could work with. So I was buying you know, mutual funds and things, 16, 17, 18 years old, uh, pretty regularly. Then I day traded through college. Long story short, there's a lot of ways to get young people interested in the concept of investing. Uh, Dame, our kids are about the same age, mm-hmm. and I know we, we have similar conversations with them. To watch a kid's eyes light up when they begin to understand investing is a really cool thing. So, Bry Guy, before we go much further, just starting the conversations, just explaining the difference between a stock and a bond and ownership, and uh, it can be a really fulfilling conversation. Absolutely. Uh, it's a conversation that you want to start earlier than, than later. I mean, I just because I didn't invest until I started my first full-time job didn't mean I wasn't aware of what was going on. I certainly did. I just, you know, we didn't have betterment in the, in the yeah, 90s. We, true. We, we didn't have all these other options that, that we could. It was basically go down to the local Edward Jones rep because that was probably the most accessible way that you could get a retail account opened up without, you know, having some assets on, in your name um, or just wait. And I just waited. So, um, yeah. The, the tough thing about investing for a 16-year-old or a 10-year-old, it's really about income when it comes to in uh, retirement right. investing specifically. So you can invest money for a 10-year-old, but you're not going to put into a retirement account because in order to put money into a retirement account, you have to have earned income. Mm-hmm. Unless your 10-year-old has got earned income, like legitimately paying taxes through you know payroll, that's not going to happen. But you still can invest for the future long-term for that 10-year-old with all sorts of tools. Now, you may have to use UTMA or UGMA accounts, uh, which is fine. Uh, and that just allows a parent to help facilitate the transaction. But frankly, Damien, I, and I don't like to, to name names too much on this show, if I'm a parent today of a 10-year-old and I want to get them invested, interested in investing, I would start with Betterment. It, it's, it's just so easy. It's I, And what they just did with their checking account. Yeah. Well, it's, it's savings account. Savings account. So, so for those that you don't know, um, Betterment uh, just opened up a traditional-ish savings account. They moved from what they were previously using into a, a savings account where – no Betterment is not a bank. They just have relationships with a bunch of different banks all over the country. So they are facilitating those relationships, but it falls under the Betterment wrapper. Um, and they were offering, uh, I think, a 2.68 or 2.69 uh, interest rate until the end of the year on the savings account if you signed up to be notified when their checking account is released. And they also are guaranteeing a million dollars in deposits yeah. instead of the traditional 250000 yeah. with FDIC? Yeah. That's incredible. So if I'm a parent uh, of a child, which turns out I am, you are. Uh, I would start with a, a Betterment account, not only because you could have them get the simple interest that is, well, it's got a 2.69%, but then you can use that to transfer and, and mm-hmm. show them how to invest. And, and let's be honest, we are in the year 2019. So how a person learns to invest is going to be slightly different than in 1990. You're not going to get one share uh, stock certificate of Philip Morris stock, which is Altria now, uh, but you're not going to get it. 
No. Uh, and another feather in the betterment cap, I guess, is that it will automatically become a diversified portfolio. You won't have to worry about picking stocks, but then you can also explain to your child why that's a good thing, why you own different things inside of your investments to make sure that you are uh, evening out those those rough times and, and yet making sure you're doing okay when it's still good too. Maybe this is obvious, but I think people don't realize that it's unlikely for a person to put away one moderate chunk of money and then come back 40 years later and have it be millions and millions of dollars. The way to not only grow wealth, but to teach a child how to build wealth is to consistently invest. So, uh, bright guy, if you're going to do this, do it in a way that you can together watch the money go into the account every single month. If you've got $600 to put into this sucker and that's all you're going to put in for the next year, cool. Put in 50 a month. And not just because it's it's, you know, dollar cost averaging, which depending on who you believe is a great thing. Uh, but because it, it shows the habit of savings. What you try to develop in a young person is no matter what income is going into their household, coming into their household, then the, a percentage of that should be going into investments. And if you don't form that habit, it's the old bicycle thing, right? You got you to learn to ride the bike and it'll never forget. If you just dump 600 bucks into their account, boom, and it's done, you've missed a major opportunity to teach an important lesson. Yeah, the habits are crucial to building, you know, a, a lifelong um, positive behavior for for the kids. So, if you can instill that when they're ten or fourteen or sixteen, great. Because as soon as they start making their own income, their own, you know, real income, not I'm not just talking, you know, summer job stuff. Um, it's just going to be an ingrained habit. They're going to already see the benefits of doing that long term. They're going to have the proof in front of them. Um, some of that fear that may come along or trepidation with investing into the market, it's, our, it's not going to be there because they're going to understand how that works. And they'll, they'll just do it. And by the way, when they go to have that first conversation about money with their potential spouse or life partner, then they say, you know, well, when I was 10, my dad, who people called brag guy, would tell me how to invest. And every month we'd sit down for two minutes and we look the money go in and what's happening. And I've done that since I was 10 years old, which is why I have $38,000 to my name when I'm 22. You know, I got this. Yeah. I got yeah. This. yeah. I wouldn't go with the, I got this. I would go with the, <laughs> and what your dad do. <laughs> oh, oh John boy, John boy did nothing for you. He got you into debt cause he didn't save for college. <sighs> we are not going to sleep in the same bed or the same bedroom. And Coming up after the break, um, more of your money questions, not from people like Braggy, but others. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the show. Back on the Pete the Planner show, I'm Pete the Planner. Damien Dunn joins me in the studio. Hi. Hey. You need to have like a nigga like Damien Dat Dude. I don't know. Let's not, let's not do that one. Because sometimes you want to seem cool. Instead of saying that, that, you say dat. Dat. D3 then. Damien Dat. Dat Dude. Yeah. Dear Pete, good day. Good day. Wait a second. Is it the same person? No, but 
we talked about this a couple weeks ago. What are the chances that this person listens to the show and understands how excited I get by that greeting? I think the chances are high. You think so? I think so. I don't know. Here we go. Good day. I took time off work to be home with our daughter. Now I'm 50. It's 50 years old. And deciding what would be best for getting ready for retirement. My spouse has a 401k plan. We have a rental home worth $240,000 and raw land worth $80,000, which is paid off. We owe $80,000 on a rental and still have a mortgage on our home at about $150,000. Are you doing the math on this? I'm trying. Questions are, should I try and pay off both homes and skip a retirement plan or let the rental keep paying for itself and add extra payment to primary home? Uh, also think of selling some of the land to then build a rentable cabin for added income. My spouse makes good money, the plumber. I am an SLP, but not making uh, full potential due to working part-time to daughter's medical issues. Any insight would be appreciated uh, from this person. Uh, What's an SLP? Should I know that? Single lumberjack potential? What is SLP? SLP. Speech language pathologist. Oh, wow. Good day. Yeah, good day. Indeed. All right. Um, I love this question for a lot of reasons because I have this theory, Dame, that when you're 50 years old and it's your 50th birthday and people send you that sort of like, oh, you're 50, it can be jarring and you start to look at your money sure, and how much is going to be around in, in, in this it feels like this situation. Yeah, that, that light at the end of the tunnel starts to become a little bit brighter. You know what's really strange about this? It's not criticism. My spouse has a 401k plan. Never gave the balance. There are a lot of unknowns. As a, I mean, she, the person gave a lot of details with, with kind of the personal side of things going on, but a lot of things that I would have liked to have known yeah. to try and give a, a, a nice opinion on this. I have uh, a theory. Can I give you my theory? Please do. I've been doing this a couple of days. You yeah. know, like I know what's happening here. When someone says that they've got a 401k plan and they give you no more details about it than that, what they're saying is we should be okay for retirement because we've got a 401k in the way that someone would say, I have a pension. Because people don't think of a balance of a pension. They think of a monthly payout. So when someone says I have a 401k and then is dismissive of the details while giving you so many other details, I think it's because in their mind... They don't understand what it means to have a 401k. They don't understand that the balance is the point. Whereas when you used to say, oh, we have a pension, no one gave a rip about the balance because there really wasn't a balance. It was about the benefit. It was about the defined benefit Mm -hmm. as opposed to the contribution or balance. Does that theory hold water? It could. Especially since the spouse is a plumber. They right. may have come from Could be a, a union plumber, a, a union uh, position where there may be a, a pension involved or or there was at some point. Or um, it still may be. And she may be calling the pension, a real pension, a 401k. 401k. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. It's This is a really interesting situation. What do you think about the idea at 50 of abandoning asset accumulation for income generating property? There are a few 
a few things to consider here. Um, what are their expenses going to look like in the next 12 years or 15 years once they get to retirement? You know, is it, does it make more sense for them to focus on reducing their expenses between now and then versus trying to you know, build the asset side of it? We're not entirely sure here based on the information provided. Um, however, there is another wrinkle here. They, they have a rental house that is yeah. throwing off income yeah. um, and is paying for itself. Can they get that side taken care of so it's just straight income when they get to retirement? Because uh, by paying down a debt, in that case, they are essentially building an income stream for more free, to just be more free and clear on the other side. I don't feel like from reading this that without extra effort, their mortgages would be paid off. It seems as though they would have to pay those off very aggressively over the next 15 to 17 years in order to have them vanquished. Um, you know, in these situations, I always think, what would I do if this were me? The fallacy in that thinking is, like, I'm trying to solve a problem that was created with a certain way of thinking by a different way of thinking. <laughs> There's no way I would build on the land and get a rental cabin. I don't feel like there's enough stability unless the, for some reason, this 401k that has no balance is actually like a $1.8 million 401k. Yeah. I mean, th we don't know the location of this land either. I mean, there, there's all sorts of stuff that it would, maybe this lands in, some prime spot where it's just begging for somebody, something to be built so people can rent it every day of the year. Um, I, I just don't know. There's, there's they, a I, whole bunch of variables. I here. think they need a financial advisor. At least an hour with a financial advisor. Yeah, I, I think... Uh, so we just don't have enough details. I, I, I agree. I think uh, they need to sit down with somebody that can tell them all the information they need to gather uh, and, and get organized. Or, or just gather and let the person that you're working with organize it for you. Um, and they can get, give you a really good idea of what's going on. I mean, maybe the, maybe the answer is to start just throwing money at the 401k and, and building that up because the, the house and the mortgage, sorry, the rental and the mortgage, um, that can be, you know, re really satisfied if they sell the piece of land or, or, or really, um, moved on down the line because I, I wasn't one of the mortgages or the rental house was $80,000 away from being paid off. Yeah. Yet, but the land was worth about $80,000 too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, there are some coincidences in there that, that may be very fortuitous, but we just don't know. We don't know all the, the, the details that we need to give a really good answer on this to make Gr it sound as smart as we are. Growing up when I would always try to make a decision, my dad was a big fan of the Benjamin Franklin uh, like T-chart thing where on one side of it you write the pros of doing mm -hmm. the yeah, decision sure. and the cons on the other. I'm sure it's called something else. And it, as I think about their situation, what I find interesting is you could almost create a little you know side by side and on the left is what are the things that are good about the situation, right? And, and so let's do that here for a, a brief sure. moment. Um, they own their land outright, yep. as you just said. They only owe eighty thousand dollars on the rental, and it's cash flow positive. Yep. Uh, they only owe one hundred and fifty thousand dollars of their two hundred forty thousand dollars home, so they have ninety thousand dollars in equity there, mm -hmm. right? It sounds like the emailer themselves um, uh, still potentially has some more work um, income available if the daughter's medical issues get worked I out. I got that feeling too. Um, and and by the way. 
a plumbing job is a solid job. The Absolutely. world needs more plumbers, so I, I don't get worried that that's an industry that'll go away. Now, the negative is a little more complex because the negatives are really about what we don't know. Mm-hmm. I would say this. Um, 50 years old as it relates to trying to create a secure retirement is not as old as you think. If you find yourself to be 50 and you've got 17 years to put together a sustainable retirement income plan, can absolutely do it. It doesn't even worry me. Uh, you got to make a lot of right decisions mm-hmm. and you need to know all your numbers. And if I am this emailer who has no name, I'm not even just withholding it. It has no name. I would absolutely go have a one hour appointment with a financial advisor uh, because here's the thing, Dame, short of the advisor trying to sell them insurance or something like that, um, it's not like the advisor is going to make a lot of money on this because all they can do is give good advice because they don't have investable assets. Yeah, it'll be a great use of your money. Absolutely. So go to a financial advisor. There is our advice. Coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week and the news. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the Pete the Planner Show. on the Pete the Planner Show. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the PTP Show is, damn, I got two. Um, I've got one that might actually be amazing and awesome, and I I might go ahead and say it makes a lot of sense to get it, or there's one that's a little bit ridiculous. Which one do you want? I I like the ones where we feel conflicted, so let's go with the one that might be amazing. The Arcade 1-Up Home Arcade Machine. The games haven't changed, and now the cabinets you remember from your youth are back as well and ready to power up at your home. Arcade 1-Up brings 1980s and 1990s nostalgia back with a full roster of games that includes Mortal Kombat, Golden Tee, Marvel Superheroes, and more. The cabinets are around 4 feet tall, and most have the option to add a riser so you can play standing up. They have 17-inch LCD monitors, so the games of the past look better than ever. With high-quality artwork that is faithful to the originals, cabinets range from two games to 12 with a coinless operation and arcade controls just like you remember them. Let me just say this. I used to go to United Skates of America. USA is a skating rink. United Skates. You used to get it. It's like not in the United States. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah, Skates. Yeah, yeah. It's still, it's over uh, off of 38th and 465 on the west side of Indianapolis. And when I go there, there were video games. Sure. And my favorite one was a game called Karate Champ. Never saw it. There's two joysticks. And so basically you just move the joysticks to do different moves and you karate kick someone in the face. Nice. And I loved it. And so while other kids were skating, holding hands with members mm-hmm. of whatever gender they chose, I was kicking people in the face on a video game monitor. Sure. And if I could kick people in the face at my home for just $250, I'm in. Dang, $250. Would you want to kick people in the face consistently for $250? If there's not one of these in my claw office the next time I come down. That's a great deal, is it not? I I mean, the golden tea thing. Golden tea. I mean, that does present a, a hazard because somebody's going to break a finger on it, but but that's oh, okay. Man. How do they get the golden tea wheel in there for less than two hundred fifty bucks? And the monitor, like the monitor, seventeen inch LCD monitor. How much is the riser? Because if it's only four feet tall, you're gonna be playing on your knees. I got a card table, bro. Okay. Like you know, it doesn't have to look too clad. Look at these things. 
the Star Wars home arcade game, the original, you know, with like the yeah. green blueprint looking thing. We may just do the rest of the show about this. How we've got to get one of these for the office. I don't see how we can't. Karate Champ. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! They, they have it. This is the greatest <laughs> moment of my life. There it is. How oh, there it is, everybody. Your favorite games are back. Karate Champ includes the following games: Karate Champ, Bad Dudes, Burger King, and Caveman Ninja. Where is it? I want to buy it. How do I buy it? What do you? Oh, retailers. Oh, Dame, uh, the other biggest waste of money of the week <laughs> is one you sent me. It is called the Wheel Bench. It combines a bench and a wheelbarrow into mobile outdoor furniture. Do you have a wheelbarrow? Uh, a couple, actually. Oh, man. I have a wheelbarrow. Great tool, mm-hmm. right? Great tool if you're doing things in the yard. At any point in time while using the wheelbarrow, do you think to yourself, I really wish I could sit down right now. I'm going to set down the handles and just sit on this. Do you ever feel that way? No, strangely. No, I haven't either. And as I look at this wheelbarrow bench, buddy, there's no functionality as a wheelbarrow. It is a bench with a diagonal 2x4 going through it with a wheel at the end of one of the 2x4s. It's like you couldn't barrow anything on it. No, I. this is very low on the utility side. It's... F- 595 euros. Um, that just explains everything I need to know. It really does. How do you say wheelbarrow? Do you say wheelbarrow? Wheel, wheelbarrow. Barrow. Am I Barrow. saying it right? Yeah. Uh, this week in financial current events. Americans say not investing in their 401k is their biggest financial mistake. Uh, what's the percentage of people that said this, Dame? Uh, All of them. Yeah, it uh, seems like it. Biggest major mistake uh, people think they have is not investing in a 401k. Next on the list of major mistakes people have made is not having an emergency fund. So far, we agree. Yep. Next is not contributing enough to a 401k to get the company match. Well, I agree with that. You're basically contributing nothing to your 401k, yeah. which is still number one. Uh, having a low credit score is a great regret. Who cares? Honestly. Keeping financial secrets from your spouse or partner. I guess these are starting to devolve and get weird. Uh, not taking the time to understand investing. Yeah, these are weird. Are we getting weird? I mean, it I, feels like they're getting weirder. I feel like these were suggested things to feel totally. bad about. Totally. Not starting an IRA. I, what? <laughs> Borrowing from your 401k before retirement. That is a giant mistake. It is. That is a legitimate one that should be much further up the list other than... If it's much further up the list, then that means a lot of people have taken 401k. Exactly. Not investing in the stock market earlier. Okay, it's legitimate. Spending more than you should on an expensive item. I think that's called just being a human. Yeah. Uh, Accepting money from parents, relatives, friends, or for living expenses. Yeah, that should be higher. Supporting your aging parents financially is a great regret. What? What? Oh, no, wait, hold on. No, I mean, look at the uh, yeah. the percentage there. It was very, very few people felt bad about that. But still, some people felt bad about that. You know what? That's weird. And he, the most embarrassing thing on this list, uh, as measured by the embarrassment scale, hmm. the red face, accepting money from parents and relatives and friends for living is the most embarrassing thing on there. I mean, kind of. I mean, what's the second most embarrassing thing? Do you think it's having a low credit score? Yeah, it looks like it is. That's strange. You know, on this on this show, we don't really care too much about credit scores. We care about habits, and we care about, uh, you know, stability. 
because we know lots of people with high scores that can borrow money that are an absolute sure. wreck. Dame, what do you know about the Equifax settlement? I, I Prior to the show, I was like, God, we got to research this and talk to people about what we think. I, I, people should go for it, right? Yeah, so what's come out recently, um, there actually there are some scam sites out there, so make sure you're getting the legit link to go to Equifax. If you, uh, A, to find out if you're... Stuff had been oh, your, your information has been compromised. Have you done this yet? I have, and mine was. Oh, well, I got now. I gotta go. Well, hurry it up. We're gonna do it on the air. We got two minutes and thirty seconds. Keep hurry keep your so, talkie. So Equifax gives you two options if you fall into that camp. One, you can request a one-time payout of one hundred and twenty-five dollars. Okay. Um, but they'll also compensate if 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 this breach caused you to have to. Um, do some work because uh, your your identity was stolen or uh, anything of that nature. You can get compensated. I think uh, twenty five bucks an hour up to ten hours maybe. Um, so you can file for that. However, you have to have a lot of details to try and get into that pool for reimbursement. The other option is to um, sign up for credit monitoring for I think eight years possibly. So. I I, I was impacted. You were impacted. I too? just looked it up. Dame, how much? One hundred and twenty bucks. One hundred and twenty-five bucks. However, here's the catch. Oh, I don't like catches. That was all predicated on uh, only a certain number of people claiming that benefit or that that reimbursement. And so if everyone claims it. Hey, everybody. Here, this is Pete the Planner. If you have been impacted by the Equifax data breach. Don't file a claim, right? Because then <laughs> yeah. I'll get no, the hundred twenty. Yeah, me too. Me too. What about we could we could buy the okay. cabinet? Don't well, let's first know one here too. <laughs> oh my god, we could buy the cabinet, but we'd go combine our money. Yeah. Okay, listen to this. What if, like, our listeners don't file it? Like, no one does because people listen to us. Will we get more than hundred twenty-five bucks because they've set aside a pool of money? I doubt that's how it works. No, I think that's how it works. It probably isn't. Listen, here's what we'll do. We will tell everyone to not file a claim. Everyone we come across. I'm going to go on TV. I'm going to put this on my USA Today column. File a claim, but get the credit monitoring because... Yeah, get the credit monitoring. That's silly because we tell people to freeze their credits and it it really doesn't matter. See, what I'm going to do... This is amazing. I think we're going to make like $10,000 each. Okay. Because like like, like 30 people listen to this program. Uh, Yeah, the, the numbers work. Let's go back from the break. And we're back. Uh, that's all we have time for this week on the Pete the Planner Show. Dame, thanks for coming to the office today. It's always great to be here. Can you put a coaster uh, under your Diet Coke so you don't put a ring on my nice wood desk? There used to be one in here, but it had somehow disappeared in the hmm. move. Anyway, uh, Karate Champ will be in the office here soon. Thanks for listening. Sending good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the show. If you want to be on it, do so. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. See ya. And then they were-